0: This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show for your Wednesday. Matt Brett here. Jeff McGillicuddy-Stein joining us here at uh, 3.30 to talk about uh, the latest news on the National Circuit. We are guest-free for the rest of the show, though. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Brett, how
1: are we today? I'm just shocked that Republicans elected a speaker. So. Uh...
0: Oh, I'm going to get to that.
1: Yeah, other than that, uh, feeling rather surprised by that. I'm doing all right. Uh, by the way, just in, uh, uh, we're going to play something off a
0: Twitter, my Twitter feed here in just a, a little bit, just FYI, uh, about this new speaker, because we'll get to that in a second. But in case you don't know, it is Wednesday. I believe the date is the 25th of October. Am I correct on this? You are right. All right. It's a significant day, because apparently a week ago, I was told by multiple people on social media... We're going to have another blizzard! So, um, checking the actual temperature outside for our blizzard here, because, oh boy, I don't know about you, but it was sure tough getting into work today um, at dry roads at speed limit. Uh, 54 degrees. Now, I'm no science whiz, uh, but if I'm not mistaken, 54 is more than 32, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, I don't think you're quite going to get yeah. much accumulating snow. Oh, that you know,
0: that whatever. freeze, got to watch for the glazing ice though, huh? At 54 degrees. What is wrong with you people? All right, I get it. Uh, Brett, I don't know if you're aware of this. Everyone out there, I got a little historical note for you. Apparently, apparently now, in 1991, we had a blizzard here in in Minnesota. I know, right on Halloween. It was amazing. Amazing. Feet of snow, gloom and doom, everybody angry, good times for all. I have no idea why so many people are obsessed, obsessed with getting those negative, angry feelings out again. But every year, right around this time, around the 20th of October, maybe even a little earlier, like this year, you get people who are guess what I see in the weather forecast? It's a little cooler, gloom and doom. It's going to be another blizzard. We're all going to die. Ha <laughs> ha good times. No, stop. Stop it. I don't know what's wrong with you as an individual that this is how you get your jollies. You know, I you know, I guess, you know, <laughs> in the age of social media faces of death has lost its luster. Uh, I, you know, I, I, what's wrong with you people, you know, and and by the way, and I, it's not just them. There is a cottage industry in the weather industry. It's like, we're going to have high temperatures somewhere between 70 and zero. And you're like, okay, you can't narrow it down. Well, if I narrow it down, I can't cause panic and stampedes. (laughs) Well, thanks for that. I really, I really, no, really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's, apparently very northwestern Minnesota is going to get like a few inches, maybe. But we're talking about like Warren way up there in the very northwestern part of the state, which is basically Canada anyway, with Canada without all the government services. So, yeah, I I, I get why you guys are so angry up there. But uh, it's, they're going to get a little snow here. I think we're getting rain, maybe a dusting of snow on Sunday. The most evil, wicked dusting of snow you've ever seen in your life. And it's not going to stick because the crown's like 60 freaking degrees. I got lush green grass in my front yard, man. There's, I still have yet to rake. It's October 25th. I have yet to rake, but I do get a rake. I'll, it will be cooler.
1: It'll be like a normal fall. Yeah, like a typical early November Late October day.
0: Have I told you, I actually think November is one of the more underrated months in the state. Once the leaves are all down and everything's raked up and you don't have snow on the ground, it's kind of stark, but it, I don't like it. I, I mean, I think it's, it's it's okay.
1: I don't know if there's many people that like November in Minnesota, but I, I could see some of that when you get the leaves raked up. Yeah. Brett,
0: Brett's posting his his blizzard warnings. was like, I don't know how you like there. It's going to be gloom and doom. You know why you have to keep things in perspective? Remember last year we lost a whole bunch of fishermen up on lower red lake that basically chunked off on an iceberg and set sail. (laughs) It's a three hour tour, uh, which we don't, apparently we do not have a coast guard unit on the the lower and upper red lake. So they basically, I guess sent Cletus out there with his outboard to go get these guys off the ice. Good luck with all that. You know, you know, you know, as long as you have cell service call next to Ken. (laughs) We have to put things in perspective. Ice is not going to form anytime soon. Even if it gets really cold here, it's not going to form anytime soon because everything's so dang warm still. No, you're not going to have a blizzard. Enjoy for heck. I'm I think there's a 50-50 chance I'm gonna be mowing well into November again. Again. In November. You know, when we move the harvest to December, I think that that's, that's when that's our first sign. The Christmas yeah. harvest. Oh, Christmas.
1: <laughs> i will be late. It'll be eventually in like 30 years. It's
0: like we're in northern Alabama then. And it's like, oh God, do we really want to be northern Alabama? I don't want to be northern Alabama. Wisconsin's kind of the Alabama of the north. I don't want to be like that, man. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with what we're doing here. Anyway, stop. Just stop. I get it. I get it. In November or in, in 1991, so, uh, that October, that Halloween, there was a really bad snowstorm. Stop. It's, it, it, it happens. You know, I don't... Do, do people run around New Orleans going, another Katrina's coming? No. No, you cold, heartless bastards. No, they don't do that. Yeah, the Donner Party returns. No, no, they had to eat each other. That's not, no, that wasn't a good time. I'm sorry your life is so miserable that this is how you get joy, is to basically scare
1: and terrify everyone around you. But don't do this. Stop it. Stop it.
0: It's 54.
1: It's cloudy skies. Some of those are kind of like just clickbait headlines. It is. Massive snowstorm coming to Twin Cities October 31st. Read more.
0: This is the only way I make chicken anymore. (laughs) What are you doing with the Skittles? (laughs) That's that's that sort of thing. Uh, I'm looking at your list of ingredients there, and uh, I don't think this is the best chicken you've ever had. Either that or you've never had chicken before. Or food, for that matter. You've been eating dirt, and so it's like this is mildly better than dirt. But uh, that's going to be my guess.
1: 952-946-6205.
0: All right. It is also October 25th. 2023, I think we can officially make this call here. The Republican Party, as we know it, is dead. It is dead. Dead, 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 dead. What you used to know as the Republican Party, which was in the 1980s under Reagan, fiscally conservative, socially liberal. Then you got the, you know, the, the kind of this. You know, moving more towards, you know, less socially liberal. They started running the more moderate candidates out of the party. You then get to, to Bush and Cheney and, you know, they, the, you know, the kind of the way that they kind of ruined everything. And then you get to John McCain picking Sarah Palin. And that was the beginning – that was really the, – the, the Republican Party had changed dramatically up into that point. But when Sarah Palin became a grossly underqualified, screaming harpy of an idiot from Alaska, became the number two on a presidential ticket because McCain's camp was terrified of Barack Obama and Joe Biden at that point. So they felt they had to do something to appease the, the fan base – and so there's a girl. I think she's my girlfriend. She's going to run for vice president. That's what they kind of went for. The second they did this, it was the end. And we have just now see the culmination of this. And the culmination is, even though at most you really have about 100 real MAGA Republicans in the House, the MAGA Republicans just basically pulled they, – they, they basically overthrew the leadership and installed Mike Johnson as the Speaker of the House. Now, I understand there's a lot of people that are putting there's a picture of Mike Johnson. He doesn't he look cute with his little dimples. Oh, look at him there. the uh, a Louisiana guy. This guy, I would make an argument he's worse than Jim Jordan, and I can actually make a, leg, a very legit argument he's worse than Jim Jordan. MAGA Republicans knew they all they had to do was wait out the traditional part of the party, and with the, th- the thin margin they had, they could basically control who became the eventual speaker. And they just they were their plan were to sit this you know, to, to vote down Scalise, vote down Emmer, vote down anyone that could possibly be a moderate choice within the party because eventually they knew. The what goes as a moderate Republican, which is truly, really kind of a, a far right Republican of the 1990s, is now the moderate side of that party. But the non MAGA Republicans basically all embraced Johnson just to get someone in there. This, don't fool yourself, this is a disastrous choice for the Republican Party. This is, well, I I think if you want, I mean, at this moment forward, we are in the Whig territory where the Whigs in the 1840s, 1850s uh, basically said you had to be pro-slavery to be a Whig and that alienated the rest of the Whigs and they left. That's what you've got now. If you are a Republican, you're, you're in the House, you just, they unanimously voted for this guy. Because, once again, MAGA Republicans knew they could just stall this out long enough to eventually they could get one of their far-right stooges as the Speaker of the House. And you guys obliged. And you guys obliged because you think to yourself there's some way you can claw this back. But what you have done is established a... Hey, an extremist far-right zealot as your standard-bearer now in the U.S. House. Mike Johnson became the 56th Speaker of the House on Wednesday, ending three weeks of chaos and dysfunction among Republicans. The House elected Johnson by a party-line vote of 220 to 209. No Republicans opposed him. With a speaker, the House can once again function as a legislative body and consider bills to fund the government and support foreign allies. Lawmakers have been unable to do much as name a post office as Republicans bickered among themselves. First elected in 2016, Johnson's relatively short tenure in the House and low national profile likely helped him get the gavel after a passive-aggressive backstabbing sank the three previous Republican nominees who either uh, chaired committees or served in party leadership. And once again, I want to make sure we understand this. This was by design. Jim Jordan was their choice, but when Jim Jordan couldn't get it, they said, who's Jim Jordan, but without the publicity, it is Mike Johnson. Representative Brian Fitzpatrick, a moderate Republican from Pennsylvania, which once again means he's a far right Republican from the 1990s. He hasn't acquired a single enemy in his time here. He's very humble. He's going to throw bombs, He's not going to throw bombs or attack people personally. Oh, is he now? All right. I think that's going to be interesting. Here's where, like I said, here's where they give up the ghost here. Johnson is a staunch social conservative who has opposed abortion and gay rights. He led his colleagues in asking the Supreme Court to throw out the 2020 presidential election on behalf of then President Trump, who falsely claimed the contest was tainted by fraud. And like most of his colleagues, Johnson voted to object to certifying the result even after a mob of Trump supporters had ransacked the Capitol. Even today, even today as we have, I think, over 200 court cases where they have not found any evidence of voter fraud and voter misconduct in the 2020 election. They still push this lie. Heck, they actually had cyber ninjas, a conservative far-right group of phonies, get complete control of all the ballots and voting machines in Arizona basically had carp launch to look at them, got all the voter data, got all this stuff. And even they, they, they had people coming in to see if there was bamboo in the paper because they were, imp- they were insisting all the Arizona votes were imported from China. And at the end of that, even cyber ninjas came on back and said, oh, Joe Biden actually got more votes than he initially got tallied with. Even they came back and found no fraud. And yet these people, they still lie now either they're complete idiots they're trying to overthrow the government or they know that the people who follow them want to overthrow the government so they throw this red meat out at them it's one of the three but this is now you have a election denier a pro january 6 insurrection politician as the speaker of the house the Republican Party is dead, my friend. Any any of you suburbanites who say that oh, I voted for Republican, you know that the, the, your standard now is you have to believe the 2020 election was fraudulent, even though there's no evidence for it, even though they have searched in, you know relentlessly for evidence and they can't find any. You are basically you're completely against LGBTQ rights. Uh, yeah, I guarantee you that we'll get to that here in a second, and as well, you pretty much are for a national ban on abortion. That's the Republican Party of today Because that's this guy And every Republican In the House voted for him I'll take a break Come on back 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 It's the Matt McNeil Show right here On AM 950 AM 950 The progressive voice of Minnesota It's the Matt McNeil Show Pete Aguilar, for the Democrat from California, chimed in: "Is that this has been about one thing? This is about who will appease Donald Trump, and this is—I mean, this is this is a the the House Republicans are now first and foremost concerned about Donald Trump, then the United States of America. Make sure you make no mistake about that. They all voted for this guy. This is now not This, this is not." You know, country over party anymore. It's Trump uber alles, and that's just the reality of it. And you'll the they proved the point because I think Aguilar was trying to get this response. Aguilar noted Johnson's leading role in the Supreme Court brief, prompting an outburst from several Republicans. Damn right, yelled Republican Representative Anna Paulina Luna from Florida. Exactly. Damn right, we want to overthrow the government. That's who these people are. Um. The, this is, okay, so we're going to play, okay, let me start with one thing I've talked about it. This is clearly an election denier, that he, he honestly does believe Joe Biden somehow stole the election, even though they have offered zero proof that this has happened. And even when Republicans have looked into it, they've come back and said, no, there's no evidence of this at all. He still is one of those people. He is, as Stephanie Miller was on the air with us last week, that this is a slow rolling attempt to overthrow. Johnson is clearly a person who is there to throw out any legitimate election in 2024 and install uh, Donald Trump as president if he can do it. That is where his goal is right now, the installing of John Donald Trump. That is everything he's for because that's everything this guy has been for. And before you say to me, it's like, how dare you? Dude, how many court cases does it take? Two hundred? Because it hasn't. 200 court cases have said there's no evidence of any fraud, and this guy still says, there's fraud. So either he's a complete idiot, he's trying to overthrow the government, or he's just throwing out red meat to appease people who want to overthrow the government. None of those are good. The idiot is probably the best option of the three. He also is an insane anti-abortion zealot. Let's go ahead, play this video clip when you get the chance here, Brett. This is from the House Judiciary Democrats on uh, Twitter.
1: Roe v. Wade gave constitutional cover to the elective killing an, um, of unborn children in America, period. You think about the implications of that on the economy. We're all struggling here to, to cover the bases of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all the rest. If we had all those able-bodied workers in the economy, we wouldn't be going upside down and toppling over like this. Listen, the gentleman here, used- I will not yield. I will not. Roe was a terrible corruption of America's constitutional jurisprudence. So I want to make sure you understand, for every person out
0: there that got up and voted in 2022, thank you very much for that. That was very good and voted in 2020. Good for you. You should realize the, 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 this is a Republican who wants to make abortion and, and, and contraception illegal in the United States of America. Overall. Not, forget about the states' rights thing. This is, this is his goal. He clearly, in that little clip, he is making the argument that women should be compelled to bring more able-bodied workers into the world so they wouldn't have to slow social security and Medicare. Forced birth on women. Women should be forced to give birth just so we get more workers in the workforce. What kind of fascist bastard is this guy? Because that's, that's some evil dictator stuff right there. That is, that is Stalin. That is, you know, well, Hitler. That is, some, that is some wildly out there stuff. I would also mention that this is a guy who has is, who is written the federal don't say gay bill. That he wants to make it a standard that you can't even acknowledge gay people within society. Which basically means no marriage, no, no, no protective rights, nothing like that. That people can, I guess, murder a gay person and that's okay. That they can they can abuse a gay person and that's okay. That's this kind of this is this guy. He is against LGBTQ rights completely. And doesn't even want people to be able to say gay. Nationally, he wants to control speech on a national level. This is not some you know, country cute Louisiana house rep. This is a... Fu- Think about that. Think about how many evil despots on the planet in the history of this country have said that you cannot say certain things in certain groups. Angie Craig received a standing ovation Wednesday when she taunted Mike Johnson, who would soon be the elected Speaker of the House, was behind the man behind the Don't Say Gay federal bill by sending a shout-out to her wife. Happy wedding anniversary to my wife, Craig called out. She then cast her vote. Hakeem Jeffries, Craig Johnson-directed Johnson, uh, jive-spurred House members to rise to their feet and applaud for a good 10 seconds. The Minnesota representative also shared photos of her wife, Cheryl, on Twitter. Happy anniversary to you, my amazing wife, Cheryl, Craig wrote, I'm so lucky to be sharing this adventure called Life With You. Craig's shout-out arrived at the House, faced its own adventure Wednesday afternoon with the, pre- the Republican election of this new speaker. I want to make sure you understand something. Johnson is trying to write a bill where Angie Craig, for just doing that, would be arrested and charged with a crime. I want to make sure you understand how extreme this guy is. Under Johnson's rules... Under his federal don't gay, say gay bill, Angie Craig just saying happy anniversary to her wife on the House floor would be a crime and she would have been arrested. And then
1: you brought up, wasn't he, was he Hugo Chavez? Yeah, I believe he was the guy that was insinuating that Hugo Chavez, who died like almost 20 years ago. Oh, Hugo. With- Overturning 2020's election. <laughs> Did Hugo Chavez do that? I mean, He doesn't really good at running his own country. I'm kind of
0: shocked he would take on that job, but especially from the grave and all. But, you know, still, you know, it's, it's just what do you do? You know, <laughs> that's Chavez. 952-946-6205. I, I, I'll stand by it. I think it's the official end of the Republican Party, as you know it. It's n- this is not the Republican Party of anyone else but Donald Trump. And their allegiance is not to this country. It's to Donald Trump. Stein will join us to talk about his opinion on it when we do return it is the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950 Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Jeff, 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 Jeff Jeff Steins, our national and presidential expert, noted author. You can find his books at Next Chapter Books. TotallyIowa.com as well. The Iowa Business Report, the Iowa Politics Report. Come to us from KXEL in Cedar Falls, Waterloo, where Jeff is there. And you he sent me some photos of you actually getting to talk to every one of the Republicans.
2: Where was that again? The center of hell. No, it was oh, it's on the video screen. Look at that. Yeah. Look at yeah, that people watching on the Facebook. Yeah. Or uh, I they had the, they, By the way, I
0: wanted to let you know. The only reason this TV is working now is because the Twins games were on there during the day. So they 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 were watching the Twins game while I'm doing a show here, and I was too, frankly, in the reflection off the mirror here. So it was that's why it's working.
2: You wanted to bring up b- baseball yeah, after was, how that went down. You no. thought that was a good a good upward you know, message for the day.
0: I'm 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 sorry. I couldn't hear you over all the weeping at Major League Baseball with the Arizona-Texas World Series they're about to have. So.
2: <laughs> well, you know, uh, what did I hear today? Something about two years ago, each one of them had lost 100 games. Yeah. So you go from, in essence, worst to first. No, uh, what that, speaking of worst to first, seven Republican presidential candidates uh, gathered at a fundraiser for a <laughs> member of Congress, and we do this um, – uh, studio TV show that then we air on the radio. And, you know, for example, we're doing one next week with the Democrat State Auditor of Iowa, et cetera. And somebody had the brilliant idea of saying, let's go and do this on the road for two hours <laughs> with no break. Oh. And I said, uh, what's the talent fee? And then they answered and I said, all right, I'll see you there. So that's yeah. what it was. I, I, uh, we interviewed the two U.S. senators from Iowa, seven presidential candidates back to back. An attorney general, a congresswoman, partridge pear tree. It was all there.
0: Well, he's I, choosing
2: I, his words carefully, kids.
0: Uh, you know, how much back,
2: team? Um, sorry.
0: sorry, sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, here's the thing that I thought of on, on the drive home, because it's like a two-hour drive home. And, yeah. you know, it was a good broadcast. We had great conversations. Okay, fine. Um I'm close enough to all of these folks that they, could, if I'm not careful, they could spit on. Oh yeah, no, you were getting, thought, you were, right?
0: you were in the spray zone. You were. It was a Gallagher concert,
2: and I'm thinking <laughs> that I've, you know, got got the the watermelon right in the face a couple of times, and I'm thinking, okay, where do these people go? Who have they talked to? I mean, it's like COVID copia. <laughs> going on there. Well, Not cornucopia, COVID-copia. And the fact that I'm still alive today, six, six days later, is a miracle.
0: Now, you have to live up to your journalistic integrity right now. Yes. Who, is the, right. who is the spittiest? Because we all have been there. You've been in there, you're talking to someone else, and you realize, oh, you're a spitter when they're talking. And they're, they're, you <laughs> yes. know it's like a sprinkler going off in the yard. Mm-hmm. Who of, of all the presidential candidates that you talk to on the Republican side, who is the spittiest
1: talker?
2: Brett, could you put the pictures up again?
1: Oh, yeah. Here we go. Let's get these guys back.
2: Because it'll help me in recalling. Um, mm
1: -hmm. Okay.
2: Um, um, uh, In rank order, I'd go Ramaswamy, Scott DeSantis. There's your top
0: three. Scott, okay. Those were the – so Ramaswamy is a spitter, huh?
2: A part of the issue, and now we don't know, need to look at them again. But you can take them down. Thank you. Um, look at me producing the show. Scott DeSantis
0: um, is actually kind of an upward trajectory, too. I mean, that's, that's not pleasant.
2: <laughs> well, the thing about it was that, and keep in mind, I don't know how much you know, spewing I was doing. I mean, you know, I, I didn't see anybody flinch, but Mr. Ramaswamy gets very excited. And, you know, when he's in the stump speech there's you know, it's louder. There's much more projection of voice. And when there's much more projection of voice, there's the other projection, maybe. Yeah. Was that- but it's just a matter of if I'm driving home going, do I stop now? For the shot, do I get a you know a jumbo bottle of Zycam? What do I do? And I decided just to uh, tough through it, and so far so good.
0: You're at like a gas station. They got the they got the hand sanitizer outside by the pumps, and you're kind of squirting it and wiping it all over yourself. Uh, no, I'm
2: drinking it. I'm literally <laughs> sticking my head under the dispenser at the Quick Star and just ingesting it directly.
0: Did DeSantis have his super sassy Nancy Sinatra boots on?
2: I did not notice. But here's what I noticed. Okay, put the pictures back up. <laughs> okay. because let's,
0: right. let's put it back up here because we've got to see if, okay, if he's just, wearing the white, is, white boots.
2: No, I don't know about the white boots. What I can tell you is now, I, I've likened this to the original Hollywood Squares. So in the box normally occupied by Wally Cox is uh, Ron DeSantis. Okay, Thank you for getting the reference. His hand is poised and ready to dip into pudding. Don't you think? Because look at everybody else. Everybody else is just sort of natural, and they're just, you know, this is great if you're on the radio and you don't see yeah, this, but trust us, uh, there's a picture here, and he's got his hand like ready to just dive in. Oh yeah. To. Um, he's yeah. got
0: he got him sprayed like some kind of aquatic creature for maximum grabbing of the pudding.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs>
0: just he really I'm, he doesn't look like he's human. Everyone else looks like on a human stance. Desantis is there. Hello, human. I mean, Jeff. And so,
2: well, now, now you say that, but then when I said, okay, thank you, uh, governor, there was like two seconds. I heard a click and he answered. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about.
0: All right. Uh, <laughs> let's turn to more pressing issues. And by the way, I will post, can I post the picture of you talking to all these sure. people? I'll we'll post the picture. Sure. You can go see what you're saying. You tell us, you know, first of all, Ramaswamy, the spitter, but as well, you look at that picture and look at DeSantis's hand. Don't tell me that that's not l- looking for, a, you know, a pudding pack anyway, from jell I mean, he's-
2: you, you just said Ramaswamy the spitter, and then I heard slurping on your part as you tried to take a breath. <laughs> I will tell you now, all of these, uh, their podcast at kxL.com, we ran all those interviews today. Um, there is one candidate who was making fun of Joe Biden. No, I'm not going to tell you who it is. It, it's out there, but I'm not going to. He was making fun of Joe Biden and then wanted to use an, ad- an analogy to suggest that Biden could not do more than one thing at a time. And this individual said, Joe Biden can't chew and walk gum at the same time. OK. <laughs> and I thought I heard that, but of course, you, you know, they just keep going. Right. And I thought that didn't sound right, but you know, there's a lot of people in the room, and and so I I uh and then I listened back. And yep, that's exactly what was said. (laughs) Who was it? Who was it who said that? I'm not gonna tell you. Okay. Um it's out there, but it it, you know, it's part of the Joe Biden cannot chew and want gum at the same time. And I thought, well, if he could
0: a smother's brother might be able to. I mean, that's a that's a neat trick. Uh, so with Ramaswamy, is it more like Sylvester? Is that what we're looking at? Sorry.
2: No, 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 no. He's just, he's very intense and he's very directed, you know. You know, it, it's it's like when you screw up on the air, Donald Duck, you know, you know, daily, you know, and Brett comes in and gives you the tongue lashing. Well, that's the kind of, you know, there. it's loud and he's pointing and and occasionally there's a droplet.
0: And and, and and the Beetlejuice is playing. You know, it's always never mind. We're We're going to move on. We're going to move on. All right, really? so the, we? yeah, we should. I mean, I could you I and I, you we and I could we you and I could do this for a long time, and I'd have a. I mean, I'd bury you deeper, but I mean, and and I I'd, I'd be laughing and giggling like a little schoolgirl the entire time. But
2: you and I have done this for a yes, long time. Yes, we have. So go ahead. Have.
0: We've done full shows like this. Okay, so mm-hmm. I am going to call it as it is, and you may disagree with me. Mike Johnson signifies the end of the Republican Party as we knew it. It is now officially, you have a election denier. A staunch national anti-abortionist and the national author of the "Don't Say Gay" bill on the federal level. This is a guy who clearly is there for Trump, and that is the that that seems to have been the case. This the speaker, although he looks like some sort of folksy little guy from Louisiana, Mike Johnson is, if not more than uh, than, uh, uh yeah, Jim Jordan. He is he is the most MAGA, uh, an incredibly MAGA candidate. And the fact that every Republican in the House voted for him signifies to me that the Republican Party, as we knew it, is now officially dead. It's now officially 100 percent Trump uber alles.
2: I think the Republicans took a look at some polling and determined that if they ever hope to win an election again in the next decade, at the congressional level for sure, then they needed to get this thing over with regardless of who was up. And so it was, well, you know, he doesn't have a, you know, an awful lot of skeletons. He hasn't made a lot of enemies. The fact that he made it to, to, to 217, in essence, um, you know, again, the unanimous, it was just a matter of, okay, I don't know whose um, arms got twisted on this. But he woke up 213th in House seniority this morning. Now he's second in line for the presidency. That's pretty good upward mobility for the new speaker. But again, in essence, it's Jordan without the enemies. Is is that the way to phrase it? And I'm not being flip. I'm just saying.
0: No, it's Jordan. It's Jordan. Without the Ohio State stuff that that came with him, with the inertia, with that, and also yep. and also the fact that he was he was one of those most vibrant, most visible guys. He is Jim Jordan, but he's from behind the scenes, and that's. Right. Uh, I think the MAGA people just outplayed the the rest of the Republicans. They knew that they they have no problem. I mean, we saw this yesterday with Emmer. They had mm-hmm. no problem. Be- they wanted to be the vote that denied Emmer the speakership. They wanted to be the vote. Because they kept saying to themselves, eventually the rest of the Republican Party will cave. We look like a bunch of freaking idiots, but they basically are still trying to hold on to their dignity. They'll eventually cave, and that's exactly what happened. And in turn, what they got was a dream candidate as Speaker, by far the most conservative Speaker of the House in the history of this country.
2: A a fair statement, sure. But what else were you going to get when Kevin McCarthy apparently behind the scenes was sabotaging everybody else because he still had this, this dream that they were going to turn to him. And you and I talked about this last week, and it did get floated over the weekend of, well, if they don't get it this time, then uh, they may turn back to old Kev. And I, and I think you know, he's playing along on this because he's now playing long game of, okay, you got what you wanted. But it still only takes one to file a motion to remove you, and I don't think we've heard the last of this is that- by any stretch, because if look at what he did, the new speaker, and I'm not saying this is, this is wrong, but the first thing he said was, well, we're going to need another continuing resolution, and the question is, do we take it to December or April? April, Matt, more than halfway through the fiscal year. Well, it just depends on what the members want to do. What? What what was the point of all of this? Because a continuing resolution continues the old budget. And if you're going to do it till April, come on. The, by
0: the way, is the rule still in place? I thought that was one of the things that most Republicans wanted to get rid of was the one, one person can force a vote and that's the end of you.
2: I don't think anything's been decided or changed yet. I mean, first of all, they had to get a speaker. Yes. Well, they so. haven't updated the rules package. No. That's the thing that had that in it. And you couldn't pass the rules package without the speaker. So now you got a speaker. All right. Bring up the rules package. If you don't, it's the same package that you had going in.
0: Well, does, okay. Your argument, not your argument, but the argument that's being put forward is, okay, now the, the house can get back to business. Well, in and, theory. Well, in theory. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. I mean, yes,
2: they can. They, they now have a speaker. They can transact business. Accurate. Yes.
0: So they're still going to be the, the the petulant child on the playground, demanding that everything goes their way and no concessions ever. So they're still into that pot. Plus, your new speaker now is a you know a an election denier who filed the lawsuit to overthrow the election with the Supreme Court. So this is not some fringe guy. This is one of the point people that was trying to overthrow the election. He also is a staunch anti-abortionist, so that issue is now front and center again for Republicans next year. And Angie Craig, I brought up the Angie Craig point where she said she before she voted for Kim Jeffries, she you know said happy anniversary to her wife on the House floor. Johnson has, is, is the guy that wants to do the federal don't say gay bill, which, to my knowledge, would then make what Angie Craig just did illegal and she would have been arrested for just merely saying happy anniversary to my wife on the U.S. House floor. This does not make things a lot better for Republicans at all.
2: You have pretty wide latitude as a member of the House or Senate in public debate. So I'm not sure any law limiting what would be said would be constitutional. So that's number one with with that part. It's a very small part of, of the whole thing you mentioned. I also, you know, if you're a lawyer filing a lawsuit and you have even the tissue of belief that there's merit to it, that's your job. You file it on behalf of your client. You don't have to believe in it fully. You just have to believe there's enough to get it there. The difference between that and what's going on in Georgia, where there are charges filed, is did you have were you were you, were you involved in conversations, say, "Yeah, I know this is crap, but I'm going to file it anyway. Those things aside. And I only remove those things because I think there's enough left without, okay? I mean, he is, he does not have a long track record, but what he has is pretty certain. All right? In other words, it's not like he's been a lawmaker for twenty years and you try to divine what his views are over the course of time. Forget any of the other stuff. Just look at the that the limited record with regard to bills introduced, with regard to public pronouncements on certain issues, etc. And that's who the speaker of the house is, period. Yeah. And you know the the fact that all of these McCarthy supporters, all of the squishier folks, in essence, that's what they've been called on talk radio. Uh, you know the rhinos who wouldn't go along. Okay, they all went along this time. And so, what are you going to do? If this goes down in flames, well, you know, I voted for uh, McCarthy and uh, uh, Scalise and I would have voted for Emmer. So I'm still squishy. No, they're not going to say that. I mean, you know, you don't have any, any defense. Well, we had to vote for somebody. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you passed up the other empty chairs. I mean, truly, if the guy wins the job through attrition, uh, what kind of confidence is there out there? And I don't, I don't know.
0: Well, and I also think this is that this guy becomes an anchor around all these guys During the election, sinker the election season, and and you just you know in the same sense as how Republicans, you know, San Francisco values Nancy Pelosi. I mean, that was kind of you know comical. This is oh, you mean the guy here that doesn't want to have anyone be able to even say the word gay nationally? That you can't even do that here. That if you're a moderate Republican or you're in a moderate district, anything up to even a plus two Republican, this guy's toxic.
2: Well, it's going to depend on, um, well, you'll find out if you see him out on the trail or you see him as the point person raising money. If you don't, then your point is, is absolutely spot on. Hakeem Jeffries has already been very clear about the abortion issue and other things in, in his statement. So, I mean, the casting of this new speaker is already being done, not by his own party, but by the Democrats in terms of framing him. Because most people are like, who? You know, we've heard of Louisiana politicians, never heard of him. And so the Republicans have lost the messaging on it. He's going to be framed by Democrats. That's not going to be to his advantage. I also noticed a a Democrat reposted something that uh, the now speaker did on Twitter. And I don't know if you saw this little video clip. Of I mean, the, the not abortion where he,
0: where he basically talks about how he, no, he wanted no, – this, no.
2: this is even better. This is even better. What you see is the film clip opens, the video clip opens. Film. Ooh, am I 90 years old? Okay, the video clip opens, and you see the front page of the newspaper, with banner headline that says Trump acquitted. The person holding the newspaper drops it down. It is the new speaker who looks to his right and he's standing outside Nancy Pelosi's office. And you see that it's her office. He looks at the, her name in the sign and then winks at the camera. Okay. That's a four second clip that doesn't go away. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so at any point, I mean, holding up the headline, you're outside Nancy's office. You give the camera a wink, like, yeah, hey, hey, hey. yeah. Okay. Now you got the gavel.
0: Well, I mean, that we,
2: stuff doesn't go away.
0: It doesn't, and I think that the problem for him too is he goes in campaigns for Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's going to get national traction. That doesn't help him. And I don't. I don't think Democrats are going to be painting him. I think moderate Republicans will be starting to try to distance themselves Probably by February of next year. We got to take a break. Come on back. I want to talk about some flips for, for with you. Uh, Jeff Stein joining us. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM nine fifty. AM 950, The Progressive Voice of Minnesota, The Matt McNeil Show. Jeff Stein joining us for his usual Wednesday visit. And Jeff, uh, in the Georgia case, uh, Jenna Ellis has flipped now. She has taken a plea deal. Um, this is obviously a lot of trouble for Rudy Giuliani because this is, she was working very closely with him. And I just don't, I mean, frankly, I don't see any way in the world that Rudy Giuliani is going to be ever offered a plea deal in Georgia. What do you think?
2: I doubt he'll be offered a plea deal unless he offers up Donald Trump on a silver platter, and I don't think that's going to happen. I knew that she was going to flip when I started seeing her posts on Twitter that uh, ripped Trump and uh, were pro-DeSantis, so you knew something was going on there. And, you know, her comment yesterday, I don't know how helpful she is because her comment was, I believed what people told me and I should have investigated Well, okay, I'm not sure that's terribly compelling, but at least, again, it's another one that that chips out of the way. The one that's interesting is the one who pleaded guilty to a felony. That's huge. And it's, uh, again, this is the prototypical way to prosecute this kind of case. And they're doing it with the document case at Mm Mar-a-Lago. You get multiple people, some of whom can't afford to go the whole way on this. And so they strike a deal and you hope they have another little piece of the story that they can tell to corroborate what you had in the charging decision.
0: Mark Meadows, please, in the DOJ case in D.C., that's now that now we're, you know, he's Trump's desperately got to get that trial out of the way somehow, because if Meadows flips on him, he's done.
2: Well, Meadows. Uh, did not get charged in D.C., did in Georgia, did not in D.C., and now his immunity in D.C., yeah. right?
0: Yes, I believe that's we the We
2: talked about this, you know, months ago when you ran the pool of who's the most likely to, oh, yeah. to flip. Uh, he was on the trampoline doing somersaults in midair. So not a surprise. And the fact that Trump today says publicly, oh, Meadows believed that this was rigged. He knew it was rigged. He, he said it all along. Okay, that's how you get public opinion out there before you hear what he'll actually say.
0: Well, and it's interesting. Once again, there's a big difference between what these guys say in front of a camera and then what they say in a courtroom.
2: Under oath. Uh, And (laughs) when they're next on the line.
0: Exactly. All of a sudden, it's a very different story from what they're saying on True Social. Uh, Once again, I will post the picture that we talked about earlier. We'll get the Iowa politics report that posted out as well. Jeff, you can listen to this as well on Sunday. Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you next week. Hour two up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday, Matt Brett here. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205 is the phone number. You saw the video that uh, that um, Stein was referring to in regards to the newspaper thing Yeah, with Johnson? Or, yeah,
1: Mike Johnson is standing in front of yeah Nancy Pelosi's office with her name plate behind her. He's got that newspaper saying, Trump acquitted, slowly brings it down and does the smart little wink. Yeah. Not, not a very likable guy. I'll leave it at that, yeah.
0: This, I, I, I honestly, I, this guy is who this guy is. You, you're not going to be able to tone him down. He has been, because, and, and here is, and like I said, this is clearly the MAGA side of the party winning. But here now all of a sudden is a guy who I'm going to guess his district, uh, like is, is one of those turnip with an R next to his name could win the, the seat is now all of a sudden this gimmickry gimmickry these this this these these little displays for social media this these outlandish personal, well if we forced women to give birth to all those kids we'd have enough workers we can keep social security you know that sort of stuff that doesn't fly nationally and so we are still a year out from the election the reminder that the first four months of 20, the first five months really of 2024 are going to be primaries. And so up until the end of May, You are going to get this, we're going to ban all abortions nationally. We're going to make sure gay people can be arrested. There is no gay marriage anymore. And if a a bunch of kids bully a child to death, well, we'll give them a medal. That's going to be what the kind of mentality is. And then you are going to see a whiplash-inducing 180. Where did you ever get the idea that we... We, we don't think the election of 2020 was fraudulent. Joe Biden's still president, isn't he? Come on, man. Where do you think that we're trying to force women to give birth so we can have more of a workforce? I mean, whoever gave you that idea? It, it is a good time to remind everyone that there is no such thing as a freaking election off. This year, in about a week and a half, we are going to have an election in this country. A little less than two weeks, actually. We are going to have an election here a week after Halloween. You need to vote. That's your school boards. That's your city councils. That's your your mayors. A lot of that stuff affects you directly far more than national elections do. And then I want to remind you, I get it. Progressives, liberals, they want to do the one vote. We grab each other arm in arm and march into the sunset as the credits roll. You are never going to have that ending. You always have to get out and vote. I get it. That goes against what the idealist dreamers want. They want that happy ending where they, they, they ride off into the sunset. I get it. You're just not going to get that. And the Republicans knew that decades ago. And they played you guys on that under that argument. What was 20, what was 2010. They, they took advantage of the fact that you guys, everyone voted for Barack Obama in 2008, and then nobody decided to show up because we fixed everything and screwed everything up so bad we are in the situation we're in right now. And right now you have a minority of the U.S. House, a distinct minority of the U.S. House, who I have zero doubt is going to try to overthrow the election of 2024 because Joe Biden or any Democrats going to win that election. And they're going to their their job right now, the Speaker of the House's job is to basically overthrow the election. And they'll probably brag about it all the way up until the end of May of next year. And they'll say, Where did you get that idea? 952-946-6205. Speaking of conservative bad ideas, a cruise operator that failed to cancel a voyage from Sydney, Australia. That led to a major COVID-19 out- outbreak was ruled negligent in his duty to care for passengers in the Australian class action case on Wednesday. The Ruby Princess Ocean Liner left Sydney on March 8th, 2020, with 2,671 passengers on board for a 13-day cruise to New Zealand, but returned in 11 days as Australia's borders were closing. COVID-19, I mean, because that Think about that, that was... That was, I remember, that was right around the time we had a daughter who was taking some theater classes. And that was right around that time. We were kind of wondering, it's like, do we, they hadn't canceled anything yet. They were waiting for what do we do here? And we were having discussions about whether or not do we, do we even bring our kid to this? I mean, is it safe enough to do that? I remember that, but that was right at the beginning of this whole thing when the, the world kind of came crashing down. They uh so they, apparently they came back the Australia borders are closing the 19 663 passengers got covid on that on that boat 28 of them died on that boat 28 people basically a little more than 1% of the entire passenger list died on that boat because of covid and 663 into 26 that's basically about 25%, a little less than 25%, like 23% of the, the, the entire, all the passengers got sick with COVID. Passenger Susan Carpick was the lead plaintiff in the case against British American cruise operator Carnival and its subsidiary Princess Cruises, the ship's owner. Federal Court Justice a- Angus Stewart. Australia ruled that the carnival had been negligent and defined by Australian consumer law by allowing the crews to depart in the early months of the pandemic. He said carnival had a duty to make a responsible care of health and safety in regard to COVID-19. I have found that the, before the embarkation of passengers on the Ruby Princess for the cruise in question, the respondents knew or ought to have known about the heightened risk of coronavirus infection. On the vessel and its potentially lethal consequences, and that their procedures for screening passengers and crew members for the virus were unlikely to screen out all infectious individuals. Did they have? I, I mean, back then, was there really, was there screening?
1: I don't think there was. Yeah, back There was at a that blood point, test,
0: March. wasn't it, back then? In the beginning of it, it was a blood test.
1: It took like. Days, if not weeks, to get your tests back too early on. Yeah, Yeah, it was not
0: quick. It was not quick, no. Carnival had already experienced outbreaks on some of the cruises on previous month aboard the Grand Princess off of California and the Diamond Princess off of Japan, the judge said. Carnival, so they had had two, and that's maybe when they realized, well, a cruise ship is basically a floating Petri dish, so that's not good. Carnival had afla- failed to explain why it offered cancellation for all cruises worldwide, leaving from March 9th, the day after the Ruby Princess departed, and since it ended all cruises on March 13th. To the respondents' knowledge, the proceedings of the cruise carried significant risks of the coronavirus outbreak with possible disastrous consequences. Well, the they a, a, it's a class action suit. <coughs> she was the the one person was only awarded their out of pocket medical expenses. But what I'm about to say to you has nothing to do with the story, although tragic as it was. So we have people in rural parts of this country that are having to sell their farms and houses. People here in in Metro who are going into debt because uh, and bankruptcy because of medical debt. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical debt. Her out-of-pocket medical expenses, this is Australia, were covered a total of $4,423.48 in Australian currency, which is about, what, 12 bucks here? So <laughs> I don't actually know. It's, it's about, it's about 3500 3, I think it is. Uh, actually, no, it's $2,800. $2,800, the, in the US. $2,800 was her, she had COVID. Her entire medical bills were $2,800. In the United States, you have to sell your house to cover your COVID expenses. But all you guys out, all you guys in the red area is talking about those commies are coming to take over. But now I got to sell the family farm. Yeah. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. You keep voting Republican and they're not doing you any favors. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So I got to... (laughs) <laughs> I am really hesitant to do this because I I know how this is going to sound. Do you remember when Mike Lindell started making early on? I mean, it, obviously the hair, the hugging of the pillow constantly, the, his blind loyalty to Trump, all were kind of goofy. But it was early on when there were all these threats out there and he was talking about, Dominion and Smartmatic were evil companies and all these things. And he was making these claims. And the threats of lawsuits started and we started saying, Mike, where are you going with this? Because you're going to get yourself into trouble if you don't know where you're going with this. And even when he started really, the lawsuits came in and stuff like this, we said very clearly, Mike, either come on out. You're, you're a well-known well enough media celebrity to where you could have a press conference. Everyone's going to show up. Bring your big charts. Show us all your evidence of voter fraud, which you insist you had, which you have not yet produced in any capacity. Or you come on out there and you apologize. You say, I'm sorry. You grovel. And maybe just maybe these companies will let you off the hook. It was one of you two. You had two paths to go. And, of course, he chose neither. He just kept going forward. I kept saying, dude, you're starting to make some serious mistakes and I don't know where you think you're going to go with this. But I don't see this ending well. Now, as I say this, as a predica- predicate of, of what I'm about to get into, I don't know what Dean Phillips is doing here. I, he, he's not nearly at Lindell levels yet. But Dean you kind of need to start explaining some things to some people. So yesterday during the show, someone posted a picture of a um, a bus, a Dean Phillips bus in Ohio that clearly seemed to be implying that he is indeed going to run against Joe Biden. The bus, tacky enough as it is, especially the fact that he's you know, when we talked about this, he's not going to win Nevada because he's too late to be on the Nevada ballot. And I don't know any other, if any other states have moved past the deadline for, for filing to be on their primary ballot. It is his right to run. I'm going to say this. I have said this from the get-go. If he truly wants to run and he thinks he can win, well, then he, ha- well, I mean, it does, he doesn't even have to think he can win. If he wants to run, you can run. That's the rules. That's the law. I have said numerous times, though, you're not going to pry the union vote away from Joe Biden. You're just not. And so and, and the, the Democratic nominees are pretty much, you know, the unions help make those decisions. So you're not going to get the union vote. You're not going to knock off Joe Biden. I said, and I've said, I think we've now said for about a month. Dean, how are you going to appeal to the union voters? And we haven't heard anything, which is, this is a legitimate problem for a campaign. Now he wants to throw away a bunch of money. That's his right to do so. But unless he's got a better argument that he's not going to be able to do it, he's just, he's going to lose. And I've said, I mean, maybe he's trying to set himself up for 2028. He's just trying to get his name out there. Maybe. Then again, it doesn't explain a lot of things, including the slogan that's written on the bus Make America Affordable Again. (laughs) Now, I can comment and joke about. A lot of things with this but I want to step back dude why if you're trying to win the Democratic nomination are you lifting from Donald Trump's trademark slogan mega seriously why no I'm 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 I'm, I would love an answer why are you doing this because I can tell you right now in the last 24 hours Since we we became made aware of this, I have not heard of one Democrat in your district that is glad you're about to do this. Not a single one. I've heard from at least 100 people who are in your district who have been staunch supporters of you who have said you're never voting for you again. If there's a primary candidate, they will vote against you. I don't know where you're going with this. Going to the Minpost story. MinnPost also wrote a little bit about this. Um, and, and this is obviously, brings up part of the problem here. Dean Phillips considered the, for a White House run has fallen with a thud among a minister, DFLers, and other Democrats, some of whom have reacted by reaffirming their strong loyalty to Joe Biden. It's a distraction that gives Republicans ammunition, said Rich Ginsburg, a lobbyist and supporter of DFL candidates, in reference to Phillips and political ambitions. Dean is going to have to explain himself. Minnesota AFL-CIO President Bernie Burnham uh, reacted with just one word, UGG, to a Facebook post about Phillips' ambitions. We are 100% for President Biden, said Minnesota AFL-CIO communication Director Chris Shields. (laughs) So (laughs) you still are not going to win the Democratic nomination. Dean, you're not going to win the Democratic nomination. I I don't know how else to say it to you. I've asked you. Well, you don't even want to acknowledge the fact that you're running. You want to play these coy little games where, oopsie, someone saw my bus in Ohio. You want to play these coy games. You don't want to answer whether or not you're running. On top of that, you don't want to answer exactly how you're going to win the union vote away from Joe Biden, which is firmly entrenched with Joe Biden, and you don't seem to be outside of make America affordable again. I don't know where you think you're going with that, but that's not, you're not going to win a Democratic primary by mimicking Trump. You just, I don't know who your political advisor is here, but that's just dumber than bricks. Why don't you just put orange faint paint on yourself and get some, some, uh, you know, you know, urine flavored cotton candy and put it on your freaking head. Try <laughs> not the, not the top seller at the state fair, by the way, Just FYI. <laughs> but seriously, what, what, you know, if you're going to just do this, why don't you just like, I'm the real, I'm the good Trump. I mean, if you're going to do, and I'm, and you, you think to yourself, oh, Matt's just being mean. No, this actually is a legitimate path of argument. What are you doing? So I have come to the point now where, Dean, I want to make sure you understand something. You're not going to win re election if you continue down this path. I'd say there's a very legit chance that if there's a primary in Minnesota 3, you're going to lose. And I don't think there's anything you can do. This is why last night when I posted the pictures of this bus, I posted them with the, the comment, why do I get the sinking suspicion that at some point in the future there's going to be a Dean Phillips press conference where he's out there sitting there saying something to the effect of, I haven't changed, the Democratic Party has left me. Norm, you know, that seriously, I I can see this cab coming down the street. I'm going to just presume that your messaging is so ham handed and stupid that you can't get out of your own way at this point, which means you need to, before you start your campaign, refresh your campaign. And there is nothing wrong with being, Hey, you know what? I'm Dean Phillips. I'm a little concerned about, uh, you know, Joe Biden's age and that's why I'm going to run. I just want to see if there's a, you know, I want to put out there. That's not what you're doing. You're doing this coy little thing. And then, like I said, the biggest mystery is why are you mimicking Trump slogan on that bus? Why? Why are you doing that? Is this, are you trying to set up a third party? We had the Independence Party here, and I, I'll give a quick little side note here. We had the Independence Party in Minnesota, and for many years, and that was that's where a lot of, as I talked about in the in the last hour, the 1990s when all the moderate, socially moderate Democrats or Republicans were ousted from the party, they went to the Independence Party. But at the end of the day. They, they weren't committed to the Independence Party. They were only committed there because they didn't like the Republicans. But when they had the chance to, to choose between their own party and the Republicans, they went back to the Republicans. That's why your party died. That and you allowed the far right stooges to take over your, con- your c- convention. Maybe you're starting to say to yourself, well, I think there's enough of the middle ground here in this country that I can win the election if I just basically get moderate Democrats, moderate Republicans to work together on this issue. Maybe that's what you're trying to do, but I'm going to tell you, you just had every freaking Republican in the U.S. House vote for Johnson, for God's sakes, and at no point did they ever even think of voting for Hakeem Jeffries, or anyone on the Democratic side, or even reaching out to the Democrats. So I think you're a little misguided if you think to yourself, you're going to have this attrition from the Republican Party to start a new party. You need... You're starting to get like Mike Lindell, dude. What are you doing? Hey, you want to – that seat was yours as long as you wanted it. That U.S. House seat was yours as long as you wanted it. You want to screw that up, that's on you. But you're not going to win the Democratic nomination – I don't think you're going to run for a third party. And I don't think you're going to be in the US House next year unless you start cleaning this crap up. I really don't, there Dean. I just do not. Cuz I don't know. I, there was one person who basically backed up Dean Phillips on this. It was a troll account, 12 followers. That was it. With one of those MG95162493, that was their code name. Dude you got to start cleaning this up because I have no idea where the heck you're going with this. And I I just don't be like Mike Lindell. 952-946-6205 952-946-6205. We'll take a break, come on back. Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950. Yeah, I don't know where you're going with this, man. You're not going to win the Democratic nomination unless you basically can figure out a way to pry the Union vote away from Biden. And you're not going to pro- you're not going to pry the union vote away from Joe Biden. You're just not going to do that. So I I just I don't know where you're going with this. 952-946-6205. Four Minnesotans were indicted in their roles in a lucrative multi-million dollar scheme to transport stolen catalytic converters to buyers in several states. John Charles Cotton, 41, of Hutchinson, Justin Time Johnson, 32, of St. Paul, Soni uh, Naimu, 31, of St. Paul, and James Dylan Jensen, 34, of Minneapolis, were all charged with conspiracy to transport stolen property interstate. According to court documents, Cotton and Johnson are charged with interstate transportation of stolen property, conspiracy to commit money laundering, and false statements to a financial institution. Johnson was also charged with conspiracy to commit money laundering, concealment, and Moo is charged with possession of a machine gun. Prosecutors say the catalytic converters, which were stolen by street-level cutters, were transferred to Cotton and Johnson, who were posing as legitimate automotive scrapping and recycling workers. The stolen parts were then sold by buyers to New Jersey, New York, New Jersey, rather, Oklahoma, Colorado, and New York, and then transported in rented U-Haul trailers to per, the, and personal vehicles. According to court documents, the defendants received about $21 million from May of 2020 through October of 2022. Officials say payments were typically in the form of wire transfer, check, or cash. Now, this is, this is horrible. And, yeah, and, and about, how about this guy from Hutchinson? And, by the way, if you take a look at him, if you know— you see the picture of him. He, he clearly looks like a guy who's running a stolen catalytic converter scheme. I mean, he does. I remember a lot of Republicans screaming at the top of their lungs about, why won't somebody do something about this? Ah! Well, the Democrats actually did. And since they passed the laws, because reminder, one of the main laws that the Democrats for a while had wanted to pass was a, you know, putting some ownership on these scrap metal dealers that basically they couldn't just take a scrap metal part and then shrug their shoulders. They had to actually have proof that, that, that it wasn't a stolen piece, which if you've seen the stories, apparently catalytic converter theft in Minneapolis, St. Paul is down dramatically because they can't sell them anywhere. And as you are learning with this little story, the minute you put them in your car and drive them into even, oh, I don't know, Wisconsin, you just violated interstate commerce, you know, trafficking laws, and you're going to get, you know, it's a, that's a federal charge, and that's going to have some teeth to it. So, the Democrats did address this issue. Catalytic converter theft is down dramatically. And yet, once again, you will never hear the Republicans who are like, ah, Chaos chaos, ah, they're not going to come back and say, well, thank God they got that cleaned up or a lot of it cleaned up. That being said, you don't even hear as this story comes out. I mean, here you have basically the masterminds of all of this. These four clowns, well, the one guy is just charged with machine guns. So I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm guessing he's the heavy, you know, he's the guard, but the other three are clearly, seem to be the masterminds of this whole thing, that it sounds like there was coordinated rings of people going to converters and these guys were making $21 million in one year. Funny story, the same people who constantly posted about their black people stealing catalytic converters, funny though, that James Car- Charles Cotton, 41 of Hutchinson, is involved Big white guy, by the way, that all of a sudden the the mastermind of this crime spree that they were screaming about for months, uh, they don't seem to have a problem with it anymore. They don't seem to be outraged at this guy. They don't seem to be upset about this. They don't seem to be, thank God we caught the bad guy. Nothing like that. Nothing at all. And I want to make sure we understand something, and this is why when i post something like oh minnesota is the number 1 state for livability or wages or health or whatever the case may be the republicans scream at the top of their lungs that's not it's the worst because they only want to report crime in a certain context how many of these republicans have talked at all about the five officers being shot by meth head over there you know allegedly meth head allegedly How many many times has a Republican said a damn thing about the five cops that were shot by the alleged meth dealer in rural Minnesota? Zero. But a black kid with a firework, it's four days worth of Facebook posts, and this city is out of control. I can tell you right now, although I don't necessarily condone kids running around chasing people with fireworks, that's a little bit less of a crime than shooting five cops. But you guys don't have any problem with that. In the same sense most of you writers don't really have a problem with this. As a matter of fact, I've already, I'm going to guess some people's like, I don't know why they're charging this guy. He just wanted to be a millionaire. Who doesn't want to be a millionaire? He was, he was trying to make a business deal. That's all it sounds like to me. I'm surprised you guys aren't making excuses for him. But the reality is this is you don't care about this story because it doesn't give you the narrative, the context that you so desire, which is black people need to be reined in. That's your whole argument. And the reality is, here's once again, a person not from the city, from Hutchinson, not black, white, coordinating and organizing a massive crime spree at the expense of all of our citizens. And because it didn't happen in Minneapolis and he wasn't black, oh, well, I guess there's nothing to see here. We see you, Republicans. We see you, conservative America. We see you. And I get it. The next time a black person is involved with a crime, I'm going to get 16 days of, when is this going to stop? The reality is, you don't care about the crime. You don't care about the victims. You don't care about anything. All you care about is driving a specific narrative involving race and the negatives that you want to put around it. At best, your racist light. Own it. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I'm going to revisit one of the stories that has angered me beyond mention. I am going to revisit it when I do return. 952-946-6205. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's Matt McNeil. Show Brett brings up a good point. Maybe he is Jeff Bees. Maybe he's he's just doing all this to try to position himself as a possible running mate for Joe Manchin if Manchin decides to run. I hope not,
1: but there's not a lot of other reasons I can think of as to why he's running. I
0: don't. I think you're not reading the room. I I don't think. I I think one of the things that people look at right now is that anyone who's willing to basically pander to right in this country is, we just saw it. We just saw it in the vote today for the new speakership. There are people who are Republicans who are supposedly pro-choice abortion, who are for LGBTQ rights, who are are out there who do not believe the election was stolen, and yet they all just voted for that guy. I, I think you're, I think... Maybe that's what Dean Phillips is doing. Is he's just trying to position himself as, you know, potentially a, a vice presidential candidate for Mansion? You know, and, and as long as he keeps playing this this game of footsie and doesn't have to actually make a stand, put his foot down, he can make an argument that, oh well, I never really left the Democratic Party, so I want my leadership position back. Maybe that is maybe. Now I'm about to get into a sports story here. This is not about sports. This is basically about the the failures of the NCAA but it involves college football. The scope of the alleged illicit scouting bring being orchestrated by suspended Michigan an- a- analyst Connor Stallions continues to grow as sources. He bought tickets for games at four schools outside of the Big Ten that were either in college football playoff contention or playing contenders. There's also a record of Stallions buying tickets at the end of the 2021 and 2022 SEC title games. According to ESPN, the tickets of the SEC title games were purchased on the secondary market. ESPN has also learned that Stallions, who is at the center of the NCAA investigation into Michigan's alleged sign-stealing operation, bought tickets to a 12th Big Ten school as sources at 12 of the 13 possible Big Ten schools have a record of Stallions buying a ticket there. ES reported on Monday there were 11 schools. Uh, According to four sources, all the tickets for games outside the Big Ten involved CFP, college football playoff contenders, and were purchased either towards the middle or the end of the 2022 season as Michigan was headed for the college football playoff. For the second consecutive season. The Big Ten announced last week that Michigan, 8 0 5 0, is under NCAA investigation for the alleged sign stealing operation. The Wolverines are number two in the country right now. Soon after ESPN reported the Stallions had emerged from the centerpiece of the NCAA's investigation of Michigan's sign-stealing scheme on Friday, the school suspended Stallions. Since then, schools around the country have been checking their ticket data, which includes the secondary market. For most cases, to see if Stallions had purchased tickets in the games, ESPN has confirmed that Stallions has purchased tickets for more than 35 games at 17 stadiums around the country. He was using the network at least three people who were forwarded the tickets to attend games. So he had a crew of four people, and their job was to go scout this. And by the way. Anyone, in, in my personal opinion, I mean, I have zero doubt that everyone at Michigan knew exactly what the case was. When Harbaugh, the head coach, came on out and said, I have no knowledge of this. You don't? So who was he? Was he just going up to the players individually and giving them the, 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 the secrets? Absolutely. Yeah, just, just coincidence. Did, hey, I noticed you're by the water cooler. Let me tell you what, uh, when you ever see, uh, when they scream Omaha 479 and uh, for, I think that's the case. Um, A source told ESPN Tuesday The NCAA has been sent at least an hour of video evidence That shows a person sitting in a seat Appearing in the video The home sideline with a smartphone So basically they sat Across from the home team In some cases Had two people staring at both Sidelines Considering the teams And filmed all the play calls Now I've in what happened Is they have they put up signs, they put up, they put up, you know, logos. There's, you know, it's, it's a fairly complicated process. And what this guy's job seems to have been is to videotape this and see what play actually taught the code. Now, mind you played Michigan and they rolled us at home. As a matter of fact, it was right after that that all of a sudden this became out there and I considering the, 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 the amount of schools that seem to have been targeted I would say there isn't a single team they played that they did not have someone scouting to try to find the signals so that they could get an advantage in the games. They were cheating. Though the NCAA is leading the investigation in Michigan, the Big Ten would take action against the school before the probe is complete, sources told ESPN's Adam Ridenberg on Tuesday. The Big Ten sportsmanship policy states that Commissioner Tony uh, uh, Patetti uh, has the exclusive authority to determine whether offensive actions have occurred. Now, I want to make sure we understand here very clearly. Nothing's going to happen here. <laughs> sure. Uh, this guy, uh, the, uh, the Stallions, he's probably going to be banned from football forever. And everybody will wag their finger at him. But I want to make sure we understand something. This is the number two team in the country. They make a ton of money. They, they could shoot a nun at the 50-yard line at a game and the NCAA would say, well, try not to do that next game. They don't care. Which brings up one of the darkest moments in the history of American sports. Penn State. A reminder. Penn State had a coach at Penn State, raping children in the facilities at Penn State under the auspices of Penn State football. The college was aware something was going on. They buried the story. The coaching staff was aware something was going on. They buried the story. This coach was allowed to rape children for decades, not at a cabin out in the woods, in the showers and the locker rooms at Penn State as the head coach of Penn State football with events happening at Penn State under the auspices of Penn State football. It's basically shooting a nun at the half 50-yard yard line each game. If there ever was a sports team that deserved to have been a coach at Penn State under the auspices of the Penn State football program in the Penn State football facilities with local police buried in The guy was allowed to rip kids for decades. They should have shut that program down. They should have. Instead, the AAA gave them, I think, three years of a stern finger wagging, apologized nearly profusely for having basically done that and now Penn State's a top 10 football team again. And do you know why? Money. Penn State's a, a, a beloved program. They made a determination the money was more important than the raped children. That's simple. <laughs> it's, it's, this is not rocket science. This is exactly what happened. They made this and said, we can't really get rid of Penn State football. It's too much of a juggernaut making money. So we'll make it look like we've got serious eyes. We're really sternly looking at this. And you, you let them go. That football program should have been wiped off the planet. And I know right now that there are people who say, but Matt, that's the entire town. That's their ideology. I don't care. Maybe you shouldn't have raped kids in the locker room. Matt, the the football players that were there, let them transfer. Be done with it. You should have wiped that program off the map. And frankly, if it was... William & Mary, or Rhode Island University, or Weber State, or Montana State, or any of these lesser colleges, they would have. They would have gone out there and said, we are not going to take this. How dare this program do something like this? We are shutting down that program, and it will never perform ever again in the NCAA. They would have, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, and patted themselves on the back, but instead after children were raped at penn state they made these arguments well you we really can't you know yeah sure it's bad and everything but we really can't hold them accountable can we don't you want to think about the 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 the, the football fans no you should have shut the program down penn state should not have a football team anymore so you're, you, you you see this this scandal involving Michigan, where they clearly were cheating. It, it, seriously, it, it's seriously, it's pretty clear at this point, the program has been scouting quite a bit. And by the way, there's a report out, and I don't know if this has been confirmed, I saw this through the social media circles, that there's also looking at Ohio State now too. But no one's going to do a thing. Why? Because they're popular and they make money and they sell, you go to the cap stores over at the Mall of America and Michigan's right there in the front window, Penn State's right there in the front window. They're not going to do a damn thing to stop them. They might fire this guy and say, we got the culprit without asking the questions like, okay, so how exactly was he getting the codes and the signals to all these players? How did that happen again? Well, don't ask that question because if you do that, then the coaching staff's in trouble. And the coaching staff's in trouble, then the, the, the athletic department's in trouble, and the, then you, then we, no, you just, he was him, that was it. If this was happening at a lesser school, right now, the NCAA would come on out there and with their stern eyes say, we're shutting this program down. They've been cheating. We got our mess When we did what we did for Penn State and all you people said we were too light on them, we heard you. So we're going to shut down the UC Santa Barbara program or, or the, 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 the New Mexico a and program. We're shutting it down. Done. See, we have moral standards. But because it's Michigan, they're not going to do a damn thing. They're not going to do a damn thing thing. A Penn State coach raped children for decades in school facilities under the auspices of Penn State football at programs and events that were hosted by the school. Under the eye of the school, the local law enforcement and the coaching staff, they all knew something was going on and they swept it under the rug And they didn't do a damn thing to that school. Not at all. So don't ever expect it. There is no such thing as morality when it comes to sports or collegiate sports. The only thing that matters is money. And they will allow kids to get raped without really thinking that much about it. As long as the money keeps flowing. 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Brett, you said during the break there, you remember at Gophers, uh, the basketball, and the, if that was
1: Duke or Kansas, that they wouldn't have, wouldn't have had that stripped away from them. Oh No, no kidding. The, the, the Gopher basketball team in 97 certainly committed violations, but compared to what you're seeing today with North Carolina, Kansas, and other well, programs. Here, here's the difference. Here's the difference.
0: In Minnesota, you had an inside source who did the right thing and reported the crime. that They had been writing the test and had been filling out all the and The kids hadn't been going to school. What do you get in Michigan right now? Well, Who is this guy? Who did, who let this guy in? And everyone, when you look at Penn State, the school administration, the athletic department, the football coaching staff, the local police department, all encircled the program and made sure the program no one no one blabbed until it became too obvious that there was there's, the problem was out there. See, is that's there? There was a you know. There was a level of integrity with the people here that basically said, I'm not going to allow the cheating. The unfortunate thing is, what you really see is this the cheating is accepted and encouraged and protected at these other schools. All right. I can't tell you what. I just keep, I talk about that and just how angry I am at the NCAA and everyone involved. Well, think about the football players. Okay, think about the rape children. Well, that's not fair. Yeah, because if you think about them, you have to come to the conclusion you need to shut down the program. Ugh, just makes me angry. I got a positive one. I got a positive story to stand up here, and this is about, once again, I have talked about Generation Z. Generation Z is tired of our crap, and they're going to fix a lot of things. A salute to the Bloomington public schools. As book bans and challenges continue to ramp up around the country, there are dueling efforts from parents and community members in the Bloomington public schools to ban and keep books on the library shelves. At Bloomington Jefferson's and Kennedy High Schools, a new club has been formed called the Bloomington Freedom to Read. It was formed this school year. The club, which currently has 25 students and counting, was formed in direct response to efforts underway to ban books in the school district. Our school libraries are literally under siege," said Kate Bovin, a Bloomington student and co-founder of the Bloomington Freedom to Read. A few months ago, a petition began circulating to remove sexually explicit books from elementary, middle and high school libraries. The petition, which has been shared by a group called the Bloomington Parents Alliance, mentions the books meant for younger grades have concerning emphasis on transgender people and transitioning. The entirety of the books in the middle school and elementary school feature transgender characters, Bovin said. I am transgender, and so for me, it was kind of really a dark idea that that like something, my existence inside of an elementary school is some sort of thing that needs to be removed. The Bloomington Parents Alliance did not respond to Fox 9's request for comment. When reached by phone, the petition's creator, Chris Seitz, hung up on Fox 9. However, she did speak. During <laughs> Click! Does she have, like, a phone from, like, the 1960s? (laughs) Uh, She did speak at a session October 9th. Kindergarten books label children as transgender and quickly escalate to discuss puberty, blockers, breast binding, gender surgeries, and how to hide web searches from your parents, she said during the listening session. Spokesperson for Bloomington Public Schools said the school board and the school district have received numerous emails and letters on both sides of the issue, along with the online petition since the beginning of the school year. 74 speakers, including six students, have addressed the board on the topic of question materials. District officials say they've received a statement from concern concern forms, which are required in order to district to respond to concerns about educational material, about 31 book titles. Most of these, by the way, coming from non-student people who do not have students in the district or basically a lot of them being filled out by the same one or two people. A total of 28 different books are specifically mentioned in the petition, um, including some New York Times current bestsellers. A different group of Bloomington parents is also organizing under the name Ban Hate Not Books in Bloomington to defend books. The parents argue that the children should be exposed to a wide variety of stories and characters these books should be included in our school libraries for anyone who wants to choose them. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Generation Z, once again, showing us they are tired of our crap and they are going to fix this one way or the other kudos to you guys bloomington jefferson bloomington kennedy nice job guys you guys are uh, yeah, yeah you definitely are going to be the leaders of tomorrow heck you're the leaders of today thanks for that uh native roots radio i'm awake that's coming up next you have a good one we got a busy one tomorrow make sure you're here with us on a thursday until then see ya